Welcome back to another episode of Blues on Parade, where all we do is talk shit about Chelsea. Wait, is that is that what <laughs> I forget? I forget what the actual saying is, but um, yeah, today is going to be talking shit about Chelsea a little bit. Um, I'm just I'm mad at myself. I'm really really mad at myself. I can't believe that I was convinced that things were turning around. Like, how stupid am I? Andreas, uh, I'll start off with this question. How stupid am I for believing that this was the tides were officially changing in favor of Chelsea becoming a, you know, up and coming team to fight for top four? We do this against fucking Bournemouth. Uh, Forest? Yeah, Forest, my bad. Uh, (laughs) You're not dumb. You're not dumb. I don't. I don't want you to think you're dumb. We're, we just don't have Reese James. I've been preaching this to the choir. Reese James is hurt. It's not the same team without him. So the season is a wash again. He's gonna be out for what? It seems like a month. A month, probably more. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. No, I think this will be the last episode of the season. I don't want to record anymore after this, Andreas. <laughs> I don't want to record after the Man City match on Thursday. Or the Man City match on Sunday, because oh, it's gonna be ugly, Andreas. I'm just not excited. But uh, to all everyone listening, I'm sure everyone feels the same sentiment. I I hate being so negative, but it was just so bad to drop points against a team like this, especially with with Tottenham dropping points earlier in the day and other teams dropping points and Liverpool drop points today. Um, I know it's different match week, but still it was, you know, we, we could be four points or five points away from top five, right. Or top four right now. Um, and instead we're still sitting in eighth place on the table. It's not looking good on dress. I'll start off with the starting lineup. The same, the same 11, same formation, um, except Dave started at right back instead of Reese James. Um, I know last week, me and Zach, we kind of were sold on the idea of um, starting uh, Chalabino at right back instead of Dave. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess Graham Potter didn't listen to the episode uh, because he started Dave instead. And... Uh, that was not the right decision in my opinion, but again, he's he needs to make do with what he's got. Were you surprised to see a similar eleven or not really? Um I mean, no, I wasn't surprised. I thought he would run the exact same eleven. I with a short week I didn't think he would try Chalaba at right back, but I also did not expect the Dave Koulibaly right side to be as bad as it was. So, yeah, I mean, I, I felt confident in the 11. It was It's Nottingham Forest. Like, I thought this team could get it done. Yeah, like, not too much thought should have needed to go into picking an 11 against the side. And, 
you know, the first half, we honestly did look like we were in control of the match. I mean, we I feel like they were a more physical team. We were getting out-muscled. We got that early lead. We should have kept our foot on the pedal, tried to get another two or three to put a match away, but in the second half, they just absolutely clobbered us. They were more physical. They won every 50-50 ball. They were first to every second ball. I mean, they were tackling us hard when we entered their attacking third. And I don't even... I don't even want to blame the refs for not calling a lot of these fouls, but he did a really poor job of controlling the match. Um, I obviously, I, I think that was not a contributing factor, but he did a really poor job of keeping this match in control. Took him way too long to pull out yellow cards. Um, but yeah, ultimately they ended up getting the equalizer. And I mean, I thought we would end up losing. We're lucky to walk away with a point. Um, I mean, what what did you see as far as like the difference between the first half and the second half? Honestly, I I think it's the fact that we don't have the killer instinct, and when you play these teams that are going to sit back, and they start noticing that you don't have a solution in the final third, they get this sort of boost in energy and this this hope that all they need is this one chance. And then they noticed, I honestly think that at the end of the first half is when uh, Kepa made a good save on, on whoever was playing on the left side for Forrest. I think the last five, 10 minutes in the first half, they've noticed how bad our right side was on the counter and how easy it was to spin either Aspie or Koulibaly and beat them on the run because neither of those guys was was up for it today. I, I don't know what was going on, but their tackling was, was piss poor. They were either nowhere near the ball or, or seconds late to even get to the ball. So you give that side hope. They figure out just to attack you down the left and they do that the rest of the game. And they didn't, Kepo was on it, but the whole second half, it just felt like we need to get a goal against the run of play to just end it. And and I wasn't shocked when Aurier finally got lucky enough to get his chance. And shocker, another another set piece goal conceded. Mm -hmm. And uh, a former Tottenham player, which makes it even worse. Um, yeah. That was all, honestly like, I thought that was a lucky goal. But they had they had their chances. Like that one going in was just a matter of time. Yeah, uh, with a bunch of saves, Thiago Silva putting his life on the line to make sure we don't lose this game. I mean, yeah, it went from we're unlucky to get three points to we're lucky to not have conceded three, like lost all three points. Yeah, if you heard Potter post-match, um, he said, I he kind of agreed, he said, I think it would have been unfair to take more than a point. Um, but I guess we should talk a little bit about Potter because the rhetoric around him and the impatience with fans is becoming a little toxic. I mean, it's as if they're, people are not watching the Premier League and seeing what Arsenal's doing right now with Mikel Arteta, this team that they built over time. And right now are leading the league by seven points, I believe. So, I mean, how many times have Arsenal fans called for Mikel Arteta's head 
in the past two years over and over again. And the board stuck by him. They believed in him. They saw something in him. They built the team that he wanted. And now they're playing like the best team in the Premier League. Uh, why? And we haven't even given Graham Potter like 15 matches yet. I mean, how many, has he even, has he even, Manage ten matches yet for Chelsea? Yet? I I don't know, but at the Premier League, yeah, I think Premier League level, he's either got he's got nine Premier League matches under his belt. And yeah, so not even ten. He's one. I believe the record is one four drawn two, and what? then lost. Yeah, four games, one one two draws, and then three losses. The three losses all just came right before the break. Yeah. Um. All right, well, we got a lot of questions on Twitter. Speaking of toxic, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> I got a, a most of our questions came around, uh, were or centered around Grand Potter. Uh, this first one is from Nick Lennartson. It's been a while since he's he's chimed in, but clearly he's just so frustrated and over Grand Potter that he had to write in today. He said, "What is Potter trying to do?" Okay, can I? Uh, I'll start off. I'll start off with this real quick, just to say something. Like last week, we played almost the exact same eleven, and we looked fantastic. We saw the vision that Graham Potter wanted to implement, and it looked amazing. We did the same thing yesterday, and we looked like shit. So it's it. It can't switch every match based on the results when you see what he's trying to do and it looks good, but it's just not a coherent thing. Yeah. I, here's the thing. I, I think it'll be easier if we just kind of get everyone's thoughts on the board and then we talk about everything. Cause I, I have a bad feeling I, I'll rant and cover everybody else. And I don't want to not include okay. the guys that took the time to, to, to bring in their questions. Okay. So we got two more questions. This one is from, Andy21072. Is that your burner, Andy? I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, this is Andrew Turney on Twitter. He said, Potter's nice guy act is wearing thin. <laughs> Club seems to be running like a special needs class where everyone gets a medal and praise for participation. The whole squad needs to kick up the arse. Uh, and then one more from at Human Capital Department. Still don't know what the hell that means. I'm convinced by Paul. I'm sorry. Hmm. I'm unconvinced by Potter as Chelsea manager. We need someone with a pedigree of success at the highest level, not a poodle for a new ownership who are also clueless. What do the team on Blues on Parade think? So with all that being said, Andy, what do you think? Here's what I think. I think right now, and it, you mentioned Arteta, so I'm going to use his kind of timeline as well. When Arteta took over, he was playing the old guys, the guys that had been there. He had both Lacazette and Obama Yang starting. And it took him a while to start experimenting and, and giving and realizing that maybe these older qualified pedigree players don't have the either the, the IQ or, or they're just so hammered in one way of playing that they're not going to do what he's doing. And I think mm -hmm. this is where we're at right now with this squad. You see the 11. You still have Jorginho on there. 
who just last season I was talking about the fact that he barely passes the ball forward and I counted it in 90 minutes. You have guys like Sterling, who has been playing under a pep system for who knows how long and is now having to to readapt and we're still trying to figure out where to play him. You've got Mason Mount, who who you know doesn't always make the right decisions and, and he puts in the work but doesn't do the maybe the right decision making. And then Koulibaly's first year in the Prem. I think we all know that we have all these youth players that may be able to make change. And I think it's going to take a little bit longer before Potter finally decides to pull the trigger and just say, fuck it and blow it all up This if it comes to it this season. But I think that's where Andrew Turney is talking about. The squad needs to kick up the ass. I agree. I think Potter's just trying to finally, like, do his whole review of what he has before he starts Xing out players who just won't cut it, period. On top of that, Kovacic and Ziyech just got back from the World Cup. Those are two guys that you'd think maybe get, get a start, um, maybe break into this 11 based on how they played. And then in terms of what human capital department is saying, I wish we had a name, like a person name. Here's the thing with the Potter thing, like, we are no longer trying to do a carousel. Tuchel was very clear that like he did not want to operate under this new ownership. Tuchel wanted to do anything it took to win now. And unfortunately for us, winning now hasn't worked. It hasn't. We won the Champions League. Perfect. I'm not going to downplay what he did there. Winning a tournament, winning the league. Two separate things. I've said this over and over throughout the past three seasons now. He didn't want to reinvent Chelsea so that Chelsea would be successful for the next 10 years. And he didn't have the patience to do that. He always said Chelsea doesn't need to rebuild. They need to recharge. Because it's not his money. He was just going up and saying, hey, give me the players. Give me new players and we'll go from there. And and I'm, and that's who Tuchel is. Great. Now, Potter, like... You're not convinced, like, sorry, Potter didn't get a preseason. Potter is coming to Chelsea at the most, like, crazy time. We're changing owners. We're changing the board. And honestly, agree to disagree here because I think the board is doing everything correctly by actually building a team of people who have shown success at their individual clubs of how to find talent, how to grow from the bottom up and longevity-wise. So. I think Potter makes more sense for that because if you look at Brighton in the past three seasons, they trend up every single time. Potter comes out, comes out of Brighton and, and their form has also taken a hit. They were in fourth place before he came to Chelsea and they're in 10th place now. So I do think Potter can be qualified. And I think that's going to also be mirrored by how we see this team evolve. We're no longer just going to get the shiny object. Maybe there's maybe an exception here and there, but players that'll make sense in the long run players that'll make sense for what he's trying to do. And I think right now we're going to be in this bumpy road of, okay, I need to test to, to make it short. Our, our past managers would adapt the game just to get the result based on what players we have. Potter is trying to bring a philosophy and he has to now figure out which players who are here are going to be able to move forward with this philosophy and which players I need to move out. And the board has already told him, we want to win, 
But this year, it's okay if you don't. So, again, it's January. Come May, if you tell me we still don't see what Potterball looks like, or whatever you guys want to call it, then we can talk about him like not having quite the plan. But like you said, last week it looked great. This week it doesn't. Maybe it's the fact that we don't have consistent players, or maybe we have players who don't rise to the occasion if somebody likes to be a bit of a physical bully. Those are all things that I'm sure Vivelle is looking at, Lawrence, Neil Bath, Potter himself. Like, I don't think we have idiots running this club. So I just pick, preach patience because you mentioned it. Arsenal, like, going into this season, Arteta was picked first as to who will get the sack in the Premier League. Like, that was yeah. a conversation at one point. So it's just like, no, a carousel of changing managers all the time doesn't work anymore. Because, again, this team over the years has only gotten worse. We haven't invested in the midfield since pre-Lampard. And our biggest issues come from the midfield. Like, we got scored on, but our defense ranks in the top four in the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. And then the attack... When they get service, they look better. Just again, last week, everyone looked good. Sterling, Ballistic, Havertz. This week, the ball barely makes it to them. Suddenly, we only score because we hit the crossbar. So again, I'm sorry that we've been spoiled as fans. And we have had years and years of success where we're contending. And we're either pushing for first or easily in top four while also looking for other trophies. But we've also paved through a lot of cracks for a long time. We talk about Aspie being here. Like, that was a bad decision to extend him and, and keep him along. Jorginho, we might extend him. We might extend Conte. These are all choices that, like, we, we don't – it's not like we're ungrateful to these players, but we also don't have to cater to them just because they've done something for us before. Like, And I think that's where I'm at right now. Like, I don't know about nice guy act or whatever. I just hope Potter makes the changes based on what he needs on the pitch sooner rather than later, because at the end of the day, he's got the power and the board's going to back him if he thinks that certain players got to go. So yeah, that's where I'm sort of at. I, I said a lot right there. I'm not Potter out. You did. I think that I, I just think it's a project and I think people need to understand that the season is still very much early on and I'm glad the issues that people are seeing are coming out pre-deadline day. You know, there is time right now to work on things. And the only moves we've seen so far outside of the potential Enzo deal have been moves that have been worked on in the background for months now. So if we're looking to react and sign somebody in January, we have a whole month. So, no, I'm not going to buy into the toxicity. No, I don't think Potter isn't over his head. I just think he needs to realize, like, hey, I've been told that this is a project. Let me let me just put the players that I think are actually going to do the best and let them learn as we go as well. Like the guys I actually believe in more so than these legacy guys that I've inherited from former managers. Yeah, and then we're also apparently in talks to extend N'Golo Conte another couple of years. Um, that might be another legacy type of thing where I think all of us on the show were – at the point where I was like, okay, N'Golo, I love you. You're just not at the point in your career where you can stay healthy for a full 38-match season. Um, but I don't know. Bringing in Enzo might 
allow him to play less and risk injury less. But yeah, I mean, behind the scenes, these these deals for you know younger talent is it it does show that the powers that be at Chelsea right now they know what they're doing. Like this Brazilian kid that we just signed. Did you see the quote that Juninho had on him? Um, he said that this kid is one of the like most like technically and mature player I've seen at the age of eighteen. He's gonna be far better than I was. You know, such great praise from a guy like Juninho. He's he's right now. I think he's he's the director at Lyon. I think. Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean, like. Again, like I don't know too much about him, but if that's what he's saying, I'm happy about that. Um, but it's on the other side, I kind of understand the frustration that people have, especially with the success that Thomas Tuchel had. Um, yeah, obviously at the end it looked really bad, and it was kind of naive for us to expect that another manager coming in would have solved everything this year. No. We have issues on our roster that need to be fixed. And it won't take... I mean, we're, we're going to address some of those issues in January for sure. But right now, the fight is for top four. We need to finish top four, I think. Um, or win the Champions League, which I don't know which <laughs> one is more likely to happen right now. But, um, yeah, I don't want to be playing on Thursday nights, Andreas. I want to play Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, let's talk a little bit about the match. Um, yeah, let's go back we'll, to that. We'll do uh, what we used to do. We'll do some negatives and then the positives. Um, talking about individual player performances, I thought Raheem Sterling looked awful. Dave, we already discussed. Jorginho was not the right decision for this match, given the physicality of uh, of Forrest. I mean, besides besides Sterling's first goal, um, which was well, very well taken, um, he was shocking. He lost possession 14 times. He had one dribble completed, one successful dribble, and uh, his only shot on target was the goal. Um he looked lost. He got pulled relatively early for Hakeem Ziyech, who actually looked really good, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, had that ball to the back post that Alba completely just messed up. Alba and uh, who else was on it? Was it uh, Pulisic? Was he in at that time? Two people missed it. There was two people Hats that could have gone to maybe? it. What? Was it Havertz? Because I think Aubameyang came on for Pulisic. No, I don't think so. Um, but I don't. I can't remember right now. It was. I'm trying to block out as much of that match as possible. To be honest, like it was the worst contributing factor possible to my hangover from uh, New Year's the night before. Um, could not have picked a worse day to play. By the way. Um, and maybe the players were also hungover from New Year's night before. Who knows? Um, Dave, we talked about um, Jorginho just, you know, against a fast-paced physical side, just 
struggled. I remember last week we talked about him having like 14 interceptions or something like that. He had only one tackle, one interception um, in 72 minutes. Was virtually invisible for the rest of the match. Um, we did get a Twitter question from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He said, "Okay, so if Potter really has job security, then why play the same shit players? And what do you make of his in-game management in regards to substitutions?" Happy New Year to all the Bop Ultras. Um. Uh. Uh, him saying why play the same shit players like i just i just answered this like last match after last match did we say that these were shit players no we were saying they looked so good the system's working like what what shit players are we talking about right now right like they it, it i don't want to be too i don't want you to be too reactive ron like, after one week, say that we look really great, and then the next week saying, why are we playing these shit players when it's the same exact 11 from the match before? Um, but, Andreas, I want you to talk a little bit about the, the in-game management, what you thought of that. Yeah, I, I just think the changes need to come sooner. You technically gave everyone 20 minutes um, outside of Kovacic, who came on in the 61st for Sigaria. But... If you're going to try to make, if you're, I think the goal came right before the mass subs, but they were on us the whole time. Like I said, Aspie was getting spun, uh, Koulibaly just completely out of sorts. If you see that, have the balls to make the change, have the balls to change tactically what's on the pitch. Maybe you switch to a back three and, and you just, you know, solidify the back and, and get the ugly result if you feel like it's the back that's got issues or, Oh, the attack, like Sterling can't dribble past a fucking rock, get him off the pitch early. It's just not his day. Like I don't see the benefit. I don't see the benefit of keeping these guys on the pitch to, to continue to fail when they have shown us time and time again, that they're not consistent enough to, to say like, Oh, well, that player, that player's got a moment of magic in him, and even though they're playing like shit, they're gonna get us out of it. Like we currently don't have that. Simple as. So Sterling playing like shit, pull him. But he was supposed to be the consistent guy. He still has yet to be that guy. Pull him. Dave getting completely fucking ran all over has a yellow card. Pull him. Cool Bali looks kind of iffy. Add another center back and put Koulibaly in a position where he's not having to cover Dave. Calabino, super athletic. He'll do just fine. Little things like that. So, so to wait so long and, and continue to invite the pressure, I, I don't understand that. And, and on top of that, you're making the subs. And, and we hammered this home so much under, under Tuchel's reign and – I know that we have a lot of injuries, but I'm crying out loud. What is Connor Gallagher going to do in a double pivot? When, like, shit like that makes no sense to me. When have we ever seen that work? Like, where is the proof that, that this is going to make us better when we're drawn and we're looking for a goal? Like, 
little decisions like that make no sense to me. Yes, you're injecting youth, you're injecting energy, but think a little bit. Gallagher was fucking awful when he came on. All he did was all he was good for was the last foul of the game to prevent a counterattack. Besides that, it was stupid fouling, sideways passing, zero impact. So to me, it's just get the subs done early and don't expect if it's not working, don't expect the moment of magic to come. Like this isn't we don't have a Leo Messi, we don't have an Eden Hazard, we don't have those sort of guys that just need the one chance. It takes our players 10 chances more than like a regular person to get a goal across the line. So, yeah, for me, it's just have the pulse to pull the trigger. That's all I ask. Yeah. And I'm surprised that he didn't make a change uh, in the back line. Dave for sure should have gotten pulled for, um, for Chaloba and... You mentioned Koulibaly, which we haven't really talked about. He's worrying me. Every match that he plays, it's just not... It's not the Koulibaly that we expected um, to come in and dominate and look, you know, comforting, solid defensively. He's taking a lot of risks. He's making deci- He's making mistakes. It's not assuring. I mean, I think at the end of the day, he is a top center back I'd say like he he should he would start on most almost all premier league teams match in match out but he's not at the level of like a Thiago Silva right now where he needs to be um we got another question this one is from black emoji he says what does this team really need to reach the upper echelon once again it's a tough one. Andreas, you want to start off? Time and a major exodus. We have not gotten better than, I believe, like barely scraping third place um, since we last won the league. And I'm not going to say like getting third place is a major accomplishment because United, who I think is worse than us, has gotten second. In that same time. It would be an accomplishment this it would be an accomplishment this year if we got third oh, place. I mean it, it's not happening. Like I'm gonna say it right now, we're not getting third place this season. We're lucky, we're lucky to break the top four this year, unless Reese James stays healthy. Like again, I am going to quadruple down on this. If Reese James is healthy, I have all the confidence in the world. But uh to reach the upper echelon, like we need a a, a wipeout. We need to Get rid of players. If they didn't work, they didn't work. Sell them. There's no need to to loan them out for six seasons to see if they find a home. There's none of that. Cut your losses. There. If if Potter has a a vision, go with it. Get the players in there. If if even some of our fan favorites aren't the ones working, sucks to suck. You know, like Edward Mendy, for example. Champion League winning, Champion League record for clean sheet keeper. He was able to pull that, pull the trigger. Kepa has been fantastic. It is what it is. Now I'm waiting for the next domino to fall. Who is the next player who, for better or worse, just isn't cutting it for the system and isn't going to progress this team forward? And I think that's where we're at. Like, maybe 
Maybe it's Jorginho. Maybe it's Conte. Maybe, fuck, it'll hurt me, but, like, maybe it's Kovacic because he doesn't provide a goal threat. Like, I don't know what that is, but I think we need a new generation and we need some leadership, man. Like, again, Thiago is there, but it almost feels like he's not enough. Aspie, captain, I know he's captain for a long time, but he's captain because of tenure and for being a good soldier. Again, I don't see him as a general. Bring me back Reese James. He's got the nutsack to fucking get people in line and get things working. Like, a wipeout, some time, and some guys who are willing to grab their teammates and just put them in fucking line. Those are the three things I think we need to, to get back to what we think of when we think of the good days for Chelsea. Yeah. Um, I think I would agree with that. I have I don't have an answer to that, to be honest. I think what you said is probably the most logical, sound-minded response to that question because we need a whole lot. And I don't think the answer is we need a new manager. I think if that's if that's what people are thinking. I like I like Graham Potter. I like him. I want to give him at least two seasons. I mean this season and next season, at least before I can make a full judgment on him. And I mean, that's what we said about Thomas Tuchel too. We said the same thing about Thomas Tuchel. He, he turned things around and then he fell off, um, which is a recurring theme in his, in his career for the different teams that he's managed. Let's talk about the positives. Christian Pulisic. Wow. Two matches in a row where he's looked like probably our best player going forward i think he was our most dangerous attacker this match um he did have two dribbles completed he was fouled six times i mean he was just hacked he had won six duels i really think this world cup did wonders for his confidence he just looks rejuvenated um i mean it, it i think like right now we have a relatively healthy front three and he's been in the starting 11 both both matches since returning from the world cup do you think that this is going to be a trend that we'll see continue for the rest of the season yeah i, I pray that Blizzard stays healthy he is one of the few players who who does try to make things happen and i think it's a good balance to have him on the left when someone like chillwell isn't isn't here and Kukurea is the more like defensive stays back and does the hard work because it allows Pulisic to always receive the ball I say always except for in this game um we didn't talk about Mason Mount but I think he got it tactically wrong himself as a player he was doing too many forward runs and Pulisic was coming back extremely deep to get the ball into his feet which then meant probably why he got fouled so much because he was a dribbling threat but he had to dribble so much before getting to the box that he rarely made it because he was hacked down before getting there. But that that left side with Chilwell being out and Kukurea and, and, and Pulisic, I, I'm liking it more and more. Um, it's not as, as Kukurea is not the aesthetically pleasing one, but then Pulisic gets to do the pretty things. He gets to do the dribbling. He gets to do the crossing. He, if I'm not mistaken, he was the one that hit the crossbar, right? 
Nope. No, it I was it was it was a I think it was it was it was Kai Havertz attempting to hit it and it was a defender that actually hit it up into the crossbar. Oh uh, okay, okay. It was a deflection. Um yeah. but I, I definitely see Polisic, you know, now that he gets to play as a true left winger, kind of keeping that spot for the time being. I, I don't see you know Sterling again is a good foil on the right side because Reese gets to go wide and Sterling gets to sneak into the box. So so for me, I think the World Cup was the best thing that could have happened for him and, and we're getting to see that that like project restart Polisic again. We just need him to get in the score sheet a couple of times to get him in, in full force. Yeah, Tiago Silva, another name. I mean, what more can we say about him? Every match he plays, every match he plays is at least a nine out of ten. Um, what was that? It's art. It is. It is. It's beauty. It's art. It's magic. Um, I mean, going through his just just by going through his numbers, you could see six clearances, five duels won, eight balls completed. Thirty eight years old to do this at thirty eight in the Premier League. After, I mean, he's a player who has never played in the Premier League in his career and so seamlessly has adapted to it. Like we talked about Koulibaly. He's been dominating in Syria his whole career and struggles a little bit in the Premier League. You didn't see that with Thiago Silva. Um yeah. Kukurea. Kukurea, um, he's another player who looked fantastic on the left side. Um and you know that after bringing him in for what was it, sixty mil? Close to sixty, you know, yeah. Um, he really looked like, I think, at a point, he looked like a a bad, a really bad business deal. Um, especially in the first part of the season, he just really struggled and not look like he he deserved that spot over a healthy Chilwell. Um, but. It seems like he's been getting really comfortable playing as a traditional left back in a back four. Um, and, you know, when he we originally signed him, he mentioned that this was his best position. Um, he had four clearances, five tackles. He wasn't dribbled past once the whole match. Won eight out of nine duels. And, you know, we talked... I mean, we know that he's played on the left side of a back three before. I mean, he did that a lot at Brighton. We saw that with Chelsea for a little bit. We did not like it. I mean, I didn't like it personally. I don't want to speak for you, but I think I remember you didn't like it either. And I think Zach personally, or Zach said, <laughs> I just realized we've been recording all this time. We never even mentioned the fact that Zach isn't here. But <laughs> <laughs> if anyone hasn't noticed, Zach is sick. He's not here. But um, Very sick. He, he mentioned that he never wants to see it again. You know, like, he went that far. Um, but in the back four on the left side, we're really getting the best out of him. What do you think that the difference is in those first ma couple matches and what we've seen the last two matches? Is it, is it, you think it's purely based on formation? I think, again, I think it's one of those things where it's time... Honestly, I think formation helps. I don't think Kukurea has like the offensive output that a Chilwell does. So when we were trying him at a wing back, 
or more progressive thinking fullback, it, it wasn't working. So again, I think he's a perfect foil to Reese James. Reese James, full license to go up, complete threat, go, go get him, and then he'll stay back. Adds that like the one thing he really does well is the defending side of things. He reminds me of Aspie, but on the left side, when we first when Aspie was at his prime. It was just a guy that was going to lock people down. That's what I've always liked about Kukurei, and that's why I was so excited when we first got him. The other thing that I think has been the biggest improvement, in my opinion, is his passing in the buildup has really improved. He slings it. That ball comes out of his feet with pace when he's passing the ball forward. And, and the more he gets comfortable with that, and the better our midfield unit gets, hopefully, with the time, I think it I get I said it the first time whenever he first got here and was playing really well. Now I'll, I'll say it again. I, I it's going to be tough to to f- figure out who our starting left back is because they're so different. It's so different between Chilwell and Kukuria. Chilwell's a goal threat, he can get forward, but then Kukuria is the lockdown defender that covers. So in, in terms of why I think his form has changed, I think time and I think He's not being asked anymore to do something he's not comfortable with. You have Pulisic hogging, like, hogging the touchline. There's no need for Kukurea to overlap. Let him be a, a back pass and a recycling sort of player because, again, he's not the kind of guy that's going to sneak into the box and get us a goal. So, yeah, I, I think the back four is the easy answer. It helps him out a lot. And also that restricted role of him not having to bomb forward. All right, let's wrap up this this chat about this match because I don't want to think about it anymore. Was there any final thoughts? I want to say personally, what I think that a lot of Chelsea fans, they listen far too much what to what fans of opposing teams say. They really do. And I think that's what gets under their skin so much. Other fans talking shit about Chelsea, making fun of the fact that we spent $300 million this transfer window this last year, and we've become we've become worse. We have the turmoil with, you know, with ownership, bringing in an American, him, you know, calling for a 4-4-3 formation. We're getting clowned on left and right. It's It's easy. It's easy to dunk on Chelsea right now. Just don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Especially Arsenal fans. What we're going through right now, Arsenal has been going through for the past decade plus. Okay? They've been they went through this for over a decade. Up until this season, they cried every night about their owner. About Stan Kroenke, about he was the worst owner in all sports, and now they're clowning Chelsea fans for having an American owner. Like, and the season's not have, over. They still may end up trophyless. Just saying. Yeah. Crossing my yeah. fingers. Praise to God. I. Oh my God. There's nothing I want more than for Arsenal <laughs> to bottle this. I swear. Even if we don't get top four, I will call the season a success if Arsenal wins. I mean, I would even like. Okay, City winning it again. Like, I wouldn't be happy about I it, but it's it. fine. Newcastle winning it. Like, I felt like once, you know, the Saudi group bought them, 
I was not gonna like I wasn't gonna support them, but uh I don't care either. That's fine. I just don't want Arsenal to win. I yeah. really don't want Arsenal to win. I want them to bottle it so I can make fun of them. Uh, but just don't listen to them. Anything you want to add, <laughs> Andreas? Yeah, I look, we're not going to take 10 years to bounce back like Arsenal did. Because at the end of the day, like when Chelsea's not good, we're still better than a lot of these other guys. Like I think we've missed Champions League twice total in the past 10 years, something along those lines. Like we're in this whole shitstorm, and Nkunku's our player. He's coming here next year. Enzo Fernandez, champ, uh, World Cup winner, chose us. Like, we still have the allure. We still have the pull. Like, the project is enticing. Football minds love Potter. Therefore, players also probably love Potter. Like, it doesn't look pretty today, but at the end of the day, the, 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 the future is, is going to be trending up and it's going to trend up far quicker than people think. It's just that we're so used to the new manager bounce and the new manager suddenly gets success. But then guess what happens when things settle and the new managers that came in midway through the season get figured out? We crash and burn. And we're trying to avoid that for once. So again, chill out, guys. It's going to be okay. I hope so. All right, let's talk about some transfer news updates. Enzo Enzo Fernandez is really heating up. Um, in the past week, Chelsea have turned their full focus towards getting him. Um, the release clause, as we mentioned previously, 120 million euros, and Chelsea is now offering 127 million, 127 million, which is more than 120 million. Um, that is because if they pay over the release clause, um, then payments could be made in, a, in, in installments. Um, Benfica, initially, they've been reluctant to sell, but the number right now is just too good for them to refuse. Um, according to Fabrizio and uh, Di Marzio on Twitter, the deal is imminent. The player and club have agreed on terms, and now the deal is in the final stages with Chelsea looking to sign a player this week. Yeah, um, yeah, we know 127 million is a lot of money, but it looks like we're finally looking at the right profile of player. I don't like the dollar amount, personally, but if it's not going to stop us from pursuing other targets, then. Why the fuck do I care about the price tag? Again, the only reason why you would care about the price tag is, one, if it's going to hold hold you back from buying another player or other players. And then, two, if you care about uh, op opposing fans making fun of Chelsea for spending a lot of money on a player, um, which you shouldn't. Um but how do you feel? I mean, we already talked about this last last episode. Well, I don't think much has changed, but there something did change because I again I I kind of bulked up the number two, but then I found out that apparently, what, so one thing that I, I mean, let me go back. Let me go back in the story. Let me, let me paint a pretty picture. Bowley buys the club. 
And one thing that he talks about over and over and over and over again is financial fair play. One thing that Bowley's been very much aware of is, is what are the stipulations, what it takes, what, what causes a team to potentially breach financial fair play. Well, it turns out that you under 21 player signings fall under a different bracket of financial fair play. All under 21 player signings are considered youth, in, uh, youth development investment. So something along the lines of signing Enzo for $127 million today isn't going to hurt us from signing someone like Declan Rice for $70 million in the summer because that sort of money goes into a different pot. It's not going to be something that's going to bite us in the ass three years down the road when the three-year windows of these FFP regulations come to, to play. That's why we targeted, I believe, Fofana, also under 21 player, for $80 million. That is why we're looking now at Benoit Badia-Shiel for $35 million. Why we signed this... This Ivorian guy, Fofana, as well. Like, we're stockpiling these young guys, Cassidy, Chukwameka. They're not hurting FFP. So, now more than ever, I don't give a shit about the $127 million. It's not my money. And it turns out that it's not going to hurt us from buying the, the instant guys like in Kunku. Pay, the, pay, it, pay it. That's why we want him now. Because in the summer, he'll be 22. And at that point, now we're having to pull from the same piggy bank as everything else for FFP. Fuck it. Pay 150 I don't care. At this point, I really don't care. Obviously, I don't want us to get burnt. I don't want him to be a total bust. But that's why he's, take, he's wanting to take a gamble and, and push it to be done this week, to be done now. The player apparently hasn't even shown up to practice the last two days. So he wants to move too, which... Obviously, yeah. when it's our player doing that, I, I get pissed. But he's not our player yet. He wants to come here. I'm sure he'll show up to practice when he's over here. So, yeah, I. that's why I'm not worried about the, the price tag anymore. Yeah, and you mentioned Benoit Badiashil. Um, we'll get the pronunciation right once he comes over. Um, the $35 million price tag doesn't look so bad when you consider the fact that now – Monaco will have to play Malong Sar, um, which he has a buy option if he plays a certain amount of minutes or a certain amount of matches, which will save us 10 million uh, pounds or euros. So really, it's 25 million, not 35 million, um, which makes it a little bit more palatable. Um, and, you know, in addition, we get rid of Malong Sar, which is another <laughs> bonus. And he has a big uh, he has a big salary too because he was a free sign he was like a Bosman or whatever he was a free transfer, right? Um, so I'm okay with it now. It's 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 it feels better. I don't know. We again we talked about this last week. We don't know too much about him. We don't know whether he'll factor in even this season. Is there anything else you wanted to add that hasn't already been discussed? I I think we're. This one is a little bit tricky because I think we're treading into weird territory with Levi Colwell and what his future may may mean. Um, so that's my one concern here. I don't know about the price tag. I don't know about the player. It's just Colwell's 19. He's supposed to be, you know, 
the next guy. So it's just kind of, yeah, that's where I'm at. By the way, have you been watching Brighton play? I know they just gave up four goals against Arsenal, uh, but he looked really good. He looked solid. Um, I liked what I saw from him. Hopefully we get him back. I like him a lot. Um, he looks very comfortable playing in the Premier League. He's, he's our uh, player. Just, yep. Are we going to piss him off in the process? Yeah. So this is not really a transfer, but um, – Academy player Derek Abu, who's a right back, he's been training with the first team. Um, Nigerian player born in Germany, who was a former member of the U17 England national team. So he's a mix of those three. Um, he's played in five Premier League two matches. And um, I mean, obviously, with with Reese James being out and what we saw with Dave, I think it's it's a smart idea by Graham Potter to at least try to evaluate all the options out there. I mean, do you know anything about him before we, before I preface this? No, you know, I, okay. Okay. He's, cool. a young, so, he's a young right back. Fuck it. Give him a chance. Yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed to it, right? Like dipping into the Academy. If that's what it goes, if that's what it takes. I mean, we saw Lewis Hall play a little bit. Um, and it looked good, so I'm okay giving these guys chances. Maybe not against City. I mean, even maybe against City, we we're, we probably stand no chance no matter what, so might as well just throw him out to the dogs and see what he does. But, I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, I say I say do it. We Chelsea produces good right-backs. I mean, we, we gave Lamptey his first start against mm-hmm. Arsenal, and, and that played out pretty well. Like, it's okay if it, 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 it comes down to just one position and we know that Aspie's not doing well, fuck it, throw in a wild card. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? The right side is a liability still? Oh, no. It hasn't been a liability anytime time Reese James is in play. Like, screw it. Let the kid ball. Like, you said Lewis Hall playing left back. He's a center mid. And we have him playing at left back at times. Shit. Go for it. Try it. That's, this is what I want out of, out of Potter. Like, I'm dying to see Omari Hutchinson get a start. I'm dying to see Chukomeka get a start. Like, it, I'm all for this. If the kid gets minutes, great. Like, we don't have something right now, try something else. Especially on the, in a game where we're not even expected to win. Screw it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's asking too much, but fuck it. I don't know at this point. Uh, I mean, <laughs> could Ian Motson? Be a potential option. I mean, he's playing right now. He's playing on loan uh, for Burnley in the championship, and I know he's a left back. But right now, in 21 appearances, he has four goals, four assists. I don't know. I'm just saying things at this point, yeah, like trying to find solutions. Play. It'll be interesting. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just speaking just for the sake of speaking because we have a podcast. Okay. So let's wrap it up. We're talking about City at Stanford Bridge on Thursday, league a league match because we do play them on Sunday in the FA Cup. So they're actually coming off a draw against Everton, which gives me a little hope. I don't know. No, it doesn't. <laughs> we beat no, Everton, so by the transitive property. 
Right, right. Um, right now, Holland has more goals than us as a <laughs> as a team. Um, and he's on pace to break the single season record. This guy is playing. Yeah, I mean, he's already like. I think in the last like 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 going back up until Salah's thirty goal season a couple of years ago. 21 goals is I think like what has won Golden Boot in the last like three years. So then he's yeah, already sure there. Obama Yang and Salah tied for like 21 goals when they co won the Golden Boot. That's ridiculous. It's it's this is just like unfair. We we um, dream of having a guy score 20 in one season. In a season, I mean I'll take fucking half of that at this point. Um I mean Kevin De Bruyne obviously he's he's Balling with nine assists. Phil Foden is having a great season with seven goals, three assists. Um, they score a fuck ton of goals. They defend really well. Their goal differential right now is the best in the league at plus 28. It's not looking good for us, Andreas. I mean, we, we know about City. We don't really need to break down what we expect to see. I think the real question is how... By how many goals do we lose? <laughs> I think that's the only question we can ask know, at man. this point. I say this every just, time. Like, oh my god, something, dude! I'm not saying we're gonna win. I'm just saying, like, because we have this like weird ass team, we show up for games like this. I'm not saying we're gonna win, but I I think it'll be semi competitive. Like, that's it. That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see a back three. Maybe. Maybe Potter's like, shit, let's try to slow them down a bit. But I don't know. The Our players show up. That's that's all I, I'm going to say. They, they, they can't do it. They struggle against the low-level sides. That's the story of our lives. But we went undefeated against Liverpool last season when they were, like, storming everybody. So... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Maybe Holland has an allergic reaction to his dinner and he can't play. I don't know. Even without Holland, I, it's I'm Julian, not taking it's Julian Alvarez. I'm the yeah. I'm not taking that. Do you know what you know? What, you've heard the phrase "snake oil salesman," right? No, it's a, a snake oil salesman. It's like like back in the like the gold rush era, snake oil was like like pretty much they were they were saying snake oil was like a cure to everything. A snake oil salesman is someone who tries to sell you a fraudulent like <laughs> idea. Okay. Like that's what you are right now. You're a snake oil salesman. You're trying to sell me on a fraudulent idea that Chelsea stands a chance against Man City, and I'm calling you out for it right now. I'm reporting you to the Federal Trade Commission. Wait, okay. I have one thing no. to say though. No. I do you're, have to you're, say one you're thing. Bigger case. This is all recorded, Andres. I'm going to send the tape to the FTC, and you're going to go to jail, or at least find. When we we played them in the the Carabao Cup, we lost 2-0. We lost. But we were the better team on the pitch, and Lewis Hall should have scored at least one. Like, Pulisic, I think, should have scored as well. Like, the scoreline was 2-0. We lost. I'll concede that. But it was competitive. I'm not lying to you there. It was competitive. Okay, maybe 
maybe I'll give in on Sunday's match because it's a cup match. But okay, because fair. this is a because this is a league match, I'm predicting three nil, maybe even four one, city, and I, it's it sucks. Like I don't want to be that guy, but they look so good. Yeah, when you taking out the Bournemouth match, we've looked like shit. It's it's not looking good, Andreas. Who's going to play right back? Derek Abu. <laughs> no, I listen. No, I we're not going to beat City. It'll take a perfect performance. Like simple as that. If we play I'll give perfect, it like a, I'll, I'll give him like a 2%. A I'll give him like a 2% chance. Yeah. Two and a half. I'm not I won't say it's impossible. I'll give him like a two and a half percent chance. And that's my max. I'm not going higher than that. Yeah. And and again, Chelsea fans listening to this, don't expect to beat City. Like, I don't want to see Twitter blow up. Like, again, watch the match and see if we're competitive because that's all I'm asking for. I don't want it to be like that time where, like, all of our players were walking, watching City pass the ball around. I think it was under Conte or under Conte season, second season. Like, at least show that we're trying to at least fight. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. That may, that might be even asking for too much. All right. Well, if you decided to stick around this whole episode, we thank you. Um, I know there's a lot of negativity. And if you didn't like the negativity, I would suggest not tuning in next week for for our recap of the city match. Depending on how, yeah, just, just wait until the results of the match. We'll then, then determine whether you want to listen to next episode or not. Um, but yeah, please, uh, if you don't already hit us with the follow, I mean, hit us and subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform that you're on right now. You can also follow us on Twitter at blues on parade. One word, obviously on Twitter. Um, we always post, uh, a, uh, a questions tweet after every match where you can get the opportunity to have your question read on the episode. We usually go. We usually ask every single one. So, um, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, please check us out. And until then, keep the blue flag flying high.